Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. What a fun night we had. This was super fun. Super fun. Yes. Good time. Um, good time. We Cold here. Yeah, it's a little stupid today. It's December 1st right now. The white stuff showed up. Uh, a little dusting. A little, yeah. It was a little sugar-coated. Yeah, I looked out today <laughs> and I'm like, because per the usual Michigan, if if you're not a Michigan native and you're listening to this show, uh, and it probably is similar to a lot of states that get snow, uh, especially the first snow that comes, that is the apocalypse. So they always predict the same thing. Oh, we got like 25 inches coming. You're not going to be able to leave for a month, which doesn't matter at this point now anyways. Uh, but you better get your shit together. You better get your act together because you're going to have to be shovel and blah, blah, blah. So we all go out to our garages and make sure all of our equipment is in functioning, working order, and our snowblowers have gas and the oil's changed and all that or good stuff. Or just check your shovel. Or just check your just shovel look at if it. you're one of them. Maybe clean it. <laughs> if you just have a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do all that, and then the next morning comes, and we're all like, excited to go out and have the snowblower wars, like my neighbors and I do. Uh, and, of course, and nothing happens. we have a little dusting that's gone in a couple happens. hours. Because tomorrow's going to be like 42 already. So there goes the powdered sugar. Such a winner. I wanted to play with the snowblower. I'm sorry. It will happen. You'll get at least one good time. Maybe it won't. That's okay if it doesn't. It, that's really okay if it doesn't. That's, fine. that's fine with me. So tonight we spoke to Cat Cloco. 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 Uh-huh. I really, when you say that you're God. the slaughterer of last names, I, with all utmost confidence, looked at her last name and was like, it is Cloco. And I totally didn't think anything of it. And then when you asked, she's I was probably like, listening to this going, oh, whatever, it's Clockow. And then she's like, my family pronounces it Cloco. And Cloco. I'm like, whoa. That's why we always ask before we start a discussion with somebody. Because we names. destroy names. We are the destroyer of names. But, but Kat has a really cool thing going in Cincinnati oh, man, with her artist so friends. And we really explore a comic that she put out that the Cincinnati cabinet of curiosities. Thank you. And it's, it's an anthology of, I think it was, was it five or six, one, six, two, three, six different stories around the Cincinnati area. Yeah. And Cincinnati's known for a lot of weirdness, um, more so I think than other cities around the U S. And yes. so it's, I want to see this. I hope that they do this. I know she said they're going to do one, a second one for Cincinnati, but I hope that they continue to maybe expand like to other states. I'll yeah, be like, hey, yeah. we'll help you with a Detroit one hey. or Michigan in general. Well, I can't draw. You don't have to draw. She has the artist. I can't. Draw. We supply. We suggest the stories. I can't draw so good. I want. I don't. I don't know if I'd want to see the comic that you would come up with, the graphic novel that you would draw. Some stupid stick figures <laughs> walking around. Oh, well, it could be awesome. With angry faces. <laughs> so can't. I can say it right. Cloco is the editor of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Comics Anthology, a project that seeks to bring together the weird history of the Queen City with the talents of local comic book writers and artists. Yeah. Along with her friends, Christina and Jen, she also hosts the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities podcast about hometown haunts. I just swapped that around there. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just reading stuff wrong. Yeah, way to go. Thank you. Which strives to highlight the strange tales that make up our lives. Kat is also the creator of two graphic novel series, the fantasy Witches and Sorcerers and the horror series Spiritus Maximus yeah. with Red Cat Comics and published on Line Webtoon. But 
not only does she write and draw comics, she's also the author of two haunted history books, Ohio's Haunted Crimes and Haunted Hoosier Halls, Indiana University with Schiffer Publishing. And she's an ardent lover of the strange and spooky. She's also a graduate of Indiana University. And this one I thought was cool. Nanzan University in Nagoya, Japan. Went to school in Japan. Awesome. awesome. Her work can be found at redcatcomics.com. And, of course, we'll have everything linked up on our website and uh, social media. So enjoy our show with Cat. Excited to speak to our guest today because this is I, gonna be fun. I perused a really amazing comic today yeah. that I absolutely <laughs> loved. And it reminded me how much I love reading and looking at comics and how different I think a story well, comes yeah. out how, when you look at a story. Yeah, how yeah. you experience a story yeah. when you're reading a comic or a graphic novel versus just words on a page. And we're talking to the editor, Cat. I'm gonna okay. I got right, that. I wrote we, it down. We, we, Cloco. Now we discussed this. I know. I wrote it down. I wrote right. it down. Cloco. Okay. All Cloco. Right. Um, she's the editor of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Comics Anthology. Yeah. And I want to know how this project came about and what inspired it because there's a lot of weirdness in Ohio, especially in the Cincinnati area. I have friends that live over there too, and they talk about how strange, strange that that spot is. And we're friends with James Willis, who wrote the book Weird Ohio. And I was just going through that today and was reminded how many odd things are yeah, in this yeah, state. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. So welcome to the show, Kat. Tell us all about this. Hello, and thank you for having me on the show, Scott and Amber. Yeah, thank well, you for really yeah, excited. Yeah, thank you for taking the time <laughs> um, to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, I just love nerding out about the paranormal, and <laughs> this is really the show for that. So... Yeah, I'm the editor and an artist from the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. And it is, I'm going to say, our little group of artists, it's our love letter to the weird history that is the Queen City. And we have creepy creatures. We have the Loveland Frogman, which I talked to James recently about this. And he's like, yeah, I love that. We have the Mermaids of the Ohio River. And we have a lot of great ghost stories included in this book and this is just a tiny little taste of all the different uh, spooky going on here down in cincinnati well you know what before we go into that i was thinking about this when i was coming back to get ready to do, to do this to do this show tonight and i was thinking about and i met and i kind of alluded to this when amber was talking about this a second ago uh in the, the experience of, of telling a story right um mm -hmm. and it can be experienced in a lot of different ways i mean obviously there's books a lot, probably the most common form, you know, as far as you know, a, a book, this tome you that you knock the dust off of and you <laughs> and you read it, right? Um, and of course, there's there's movies, there's podcasts, all kind of things. Uh, but there's also like this form too, uh, a comic type uh, a medium to to deliver a story on. And 
This is quite original, I think, as far as telling, I mean, telling stories about cryptids, about ghosts and things like that. I guess the question I have is, why did you guys choose to go that route uh, as opposed to just maybe just writing a book or something like that? Why did you guys want to go this way? So really the, I'm going to say the start of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities has to do with our old drink and draws that we used to do (laughs) as a bunch of comic book artists. Okay. So... Comic book artists are incredibly solitary people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're handling this pandemic just fine because we (laughs) don't leave our studios anyway. (laughs) And once in a while, we would get together and just do a drink and draw, which is we we go to a local bar, we show each other our art or whatever we're writing, and we talk about it. Um, and say and judge it and say, yeah, this makes sense. Or no, what are you thinking? Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So my, I call it my night job is I'm also a paranormal author with Shiver Publishing. And I would tell people about my ghost stories, just exploring the Midwest and all the strange and goofy stuff we have around here. Mm-hmm. And that piqued the interest of a lot of the other artists. So when Earlier this year, we got together and we're like, hey, we want to write these stories. So I gave them dossiers of 15 locations and that I had put together from my own tale, like trips. And they read them and interpreted them how they wanted to. So as the editor, I kind of just guided them with the, hey, this is we're not going to call them mud mermaids anymore because we have talked to several people of color around Cincinnati and we find that is a really problematic term. So we're just going <laughs> to yeah. rename them the mermaids of the Ohio river. And that's the name we went with or Ohio river mermaids. Mm-hmm. And we let, or I really let the writers and the artists read the stories, read what they wanted to of, um, I know like James's books, Weird Ohio got passed around a lot during this process, Mm -hmm. but just interpreted how they wanted to write it. And I loved it because we got new yet still accurate voices to add to the mythos that all these stories hold. If that makes it does. Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Uh, I love the delivery mechanism. I do. That's what I'm fascinated with. Honestly, this is the first time I think I've, I've seen, ghost stories or as i said cryptids being you know stories like this being delivered this way so i think it's super original i think it's super cool so yeah Yeah, and i've been wanting to write myself comic books about different things like vanishing hitchhikers like resurrection mary is a story i've always wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. but in comic book form and um it's just comics are what i do because writing about true crime and ghosts can be so dreary and depressing from time to time yes comics lighten up everything but so mixing the comics with the paranormal stories was a great way of making them approachable to a new audience and during this time we did not expect a pandemic when we started this project it makes it really easy and accessible for anyone to pick up a copy because they're a lot of them are digital mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, be able to read them from the comfort of your home, own home. And all of us as artists are super accessible. You can find us all on Instagram. And if you want to chat with us about our projects, we're more than happy to. Well, and like you said, making this stuff accessible to people and not so doom and gloom, two of the stories in this issue I thought were awesome uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, especially the Loveland Frog, which was just super cute. And I'm sure we can get on to talking about yeah, we'll get into those stories. Like what yeah. the Frogman really is, but I like how the artist in the comic kind of interpreted this as this cute little 
um, almost like a like a Sunday morning comic. I did, it wasn't like something disturbing like the original story that's kind of creepy. And then I loved Satan's Hollow. Oh, yes. Because yeah. that is your classic urban legend scenario where yes. young people go out like, okay, we got to go over to Satan's Hollow. Uh, yeah, the Satan's going to, if we got to do this three times, it's going to show up. I've heard all about it. It's on the internet. And then the cops show up. Your yes. journey's done. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought this, that was just a great way of of ex- exploring that topic. Um, I loved it. Yeah. So Tim Fuller is a friend of mine and a great illustrator. He's the one that did Froggy Came a Courtin', which is the Loveland yeah. Frogman. And he is a very good cartoonist. He's been working for oh, at least over 30 years uh, as a graphic artist and cartoonist here in Cincinnati and northern Kentucky. And... When he he was, <laughs> when I s- proposed the different creatures and stories, he's like, I have to do the Loveland Frogman. We almost had a SmackDown fight on who got to do the Loveland Frogman. <laughs> he was that popular. In the end, we had three different artists do interpretations of him. Oh, but no. Tim got to do the cartoon. And he had read, and of course, being a native to Southwest Ohio, knew the Loveland Frogman story really well. It's one of those things that, Everyone, as soon as you move in here, they're like, hey, you like you like scary things and paranormal? <laughs> Have you heard about the Loveland Frogman? And you got to imagine the eyebrows going up and down. And it, he's just like, I know this story. Yeah. It could be an alien. It could be the iguana that the policeman right. alleged it was. But he's like, what if, what if he went on a date? And I'm like, I love this idea. This is a fresh take on the Loveland Frogman. So... He also, because he works uh, for SourcePoint Press, he's didn't have as much time as the rest of us, so he just th- did this wonderful one-page Sunday comic about the Frogman. Right, and it was um, perfect. And for, for those of you, for anybody out there that doesn't really know the Loveland Frogman story, can you give like a little 101 on it? Sure. So it starts way back in 1955, and we have a traveling salesman coming home from work And he's crossing the Little Miami River here in southwest Ohio. And he looks down, and in the the riverbed, he sees three three foot to four foot tall creatures that are waving what he described as a wand with sparks coming out of it. Oh, cute. And when they notice him, they start chasing him, I believe. And he just goes on to report it to the police, but nothing comes of it. And... Then we just rocket 20 years into the future to the mid-70s. And we have one of those great policemen doing his rounds uh, going up and down the Little Miami River. Because it's quite a popular river. And across, across his path go, walks this three to four foot iguana frog looking creature on its hind legs. Mm. And he reports it in and leaves the scene. <laughs> Two weeks later, another police officer comes by and ends up running into the same thing, trying to climb over the crossbar of a bridge. And he manages to kill it, stuff it in the trunk, and take it back to the officer's uh, building, the police uh, station, and takes it to the officer who originally reported this thing and said, is this your weird creature? And... They originally, it was reported in the newspapers as a frog man or a frog-like 
small person, mm-hmm. but humanoid. But the police officers changed their story and said, no, it was just like an iguana without his tail. It was probably a pet and got loose and we accidentally hit it with our car and it's dead now. Yeah. Three That's to four foot tall? Story. Yeah. I four looked- foot tall. It, the story gets more interesting, though, because in 2016, we had another Loveland Frogman sighting by a lovely set of 20-year-olds. And these lovebirds were out playing Pokemon Go <laughs> and along the Little Miami River. You got to catch those water types. got to catch them all. Mm-hmm. And they look into the river and they're swimming around. They claim they saw the Loveland Frogman <laughs> and they got a photo of it. <laughs> It's a real Pokemon. <laughs> I love it. It's Ohio's very special variation. So what did their photo uh, look like? Like, was it just so a blurry blob? It's a blurry blob uh-huh. with reflective big eyes. Huh. And uh, I believe in the profiles of our comic, we all made spooky themed profile pictures. <laughs> and in Tim's, I believe he has that particular photo behind him. <laughs> <laughs> like he's looking for the Loveland Frogman. So I, it's a fun story. Uh, what it, This is funny. We're giving so much press to James today. James was just on our podcast last week. So James we is the man. The Loveland Frog- yeah, he's a great guy. He's, he's flat out um, the man. I love that guy. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we can get him all that airtime um, we want. <laughs> I'm cool yeah. with that. Um, Go read his books. They're wonderful. I own them all. They are. They are. Uh, they're wonderful. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, uh, he pointed out, and I had not made this connection before, but 1955, when the tra- traveling salesman saw the Loveland Frogman, yeah. is the same year the Kelly Hopkins incident occurred. Ooh. And that was in Kentucky. Yeah, the goblins. And the goblins described in that are very similar to the humanoids that are yeah. described in the salesman's report. So now I'm like, well, this is a new road for us to look down so mm-hmm. i think kelly hopkins will be in the second issue of cincinnati cabinet <gasps> oh my gosh oh my gosh i can't wait to see how that gets illustrated those little things yeah. are so cute and most of the time i swear no one makes them like terrifying they're really cute <laughs> it's, it's not an evil looking alien um no no I, I love that story and i think loveland as a city kind of renounced that story for a while they didn't they it brought them a lot of unwanted attention as this stuff typically does. And I, I don't know, is, is that city embracing that legend or are they still like, they're not having a Loveland frog celebration like Mothman does? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to embrace Loveland <sighs> Frogman quite as much as uh, Point Pleasant has. Foolish. But it's just a bummer because yep. I'm like, one of the things people will send me um, <laughs> Gashapong, which are little toys that you can get from vending machines in japan okay and they'll find the cryptid variant toys and send me the little inserts when they get frogman and say please translate this for me and like guys you already know the story you're paranormal enthusiasts here in the united states you know the story but yeah he the loveland frogman is internationally well known as a very popular cryptid in the united states and christina who hosts the podcast with me and also is our social media editor uh, or manager. She said that the Frogman is more like the Boba Fett of all cryptids in the United States because he's only been seen a few times. Little is known about him, yeah. but he's so freaking popular, just like <laughs> Boba Fett in Star Wars. It's true. Uh, you know, I, I don't see just, just getting the impression of, of the Loveland Frogman. I, I don't seem very intimidating, though, either. I, I think it'd be different if you saw it. Like, the cop was just like, I'm going to make a report, and I'm not even going back, and he's a cop. 
He's then going to go check it out. Could be just some weird injured human. He's like, no, I'm not going back. Not just, doing it. But a four foot frog on his back legs. You don't know what it could have laser eyes. You don't know what it's capable of. <laughs> so I, I, I could imagine myself running away too. Like I don't know what I know. And it, he had a sparkly wand at one point. We well, don't know what he's going to do with it. That version, that one, I might be more tempted to have a conversation with. Yeah, that's well. Of course, it could it could be a dangerous sparkling wand. It could though. be a dangerous sparkling wand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It could be a sparkling wand of doom. It might not be just cute and glitter filled. Yeah, we don't. You don't know what that is. Okay, all right. You mean it's not a wand from Starlight Express? Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's how I want my Loveland Frogman now on roller skates. Yes. <laughs> so you mentioned the Ohio River mermaids a few minutes ago too. Uh, can we talk about them for a few minutes? Oh sure. Yeah, they're. They're another fun cryptid sighting in Cincinnati, and technically it's in Vivi, Indiana, which is just about a 40-minute jaunt to the west up the Ohio River. Mm-hmm. It's a small town, a nice little canal town, and they had reported these mermaids swimming around the Ohio River, mostly seen at low tide when they would be witnessed sunbathing on the banks of the extremely muddy and murky Ohio River, eating shells and clams and mussels that are native to the river and they're they're not as cute as the loveland frogman their descriptions are more like well when you read them the cincinnati inquirer's description it's not flattering at all it says that they have the faces of dogs and the bodies of humanoids with long yellow fingernails and a yellowish tint skin with gnarly dark brown hair and resembled lizards so they're not i'm gonna have to say our freshwater merm folk are not the beautiful aerials we have in the ocean instead they're these half fish half lizard things (laughs) swimming around eating mussels in the ohio river 1894 was the only actual report, and it was a nationally done report. The Cincinnati Enquirer wrote about it, and that was syndicated and pulled nationally uh, and uh, limited international. I think it went to some newspapers in England or Great Britain. Mm -hmm. But according to reporters, um, the mermaids had actually been seen, witnessed, swimming around the Ohio River for years before and easily over a decade from when it got reported in 1894. Uh, Jay Kalagayan and Dylan Spieg are the artist-writer duo that took on that story. But we can talk about that in a minute after we talk about the cryptids. That, well, that I, I want to say on their artwork for that story, first off, that artwork's amazing. I'm not sure if they use Scratchboard because that's the look it, it has. But mm-hmm. like that's the most serious story in the whole our anthology, I think. And it's is, one of my favorites. It, it was really good. And I think it's a good opener. And is there a reason why they chose the what the hit the part of history that they did with slavery african americans running away is there a connection with that and the mermaid uh lore so when i gave the list of topics jay immediately was drawn to no pun intended to the mermaid story <laughs> Because it really has a limited amount of evidence behind it. So when you have not so much history to back it up, f- fiction 
can go <laughs> and yeah. take over and fill in the, those areas. So he had a lot more wiggle room with this particular story as opposed to like the Frogman or any of the other stories. Uh, Cincinnati is a very interesting station really in Ohio because we're the beginnings of the Underground Railroad that took escaped slaves from really just the Ohio River all the way up to Canada, um, up to Cleveland and along the Lake Erie coast. And we have some remarkable stories of freed slaves being smuggled through the city because although Ohio was considered a free state, we still had some extremely restrictive black laws. And those restricted the movements of freed blacks throughout the state. It was terrible, but we had a whole lot of abolitionists down here. We had a large Shaker colony. Um, They lived in Kentucky and they would help escort people across the river up to abolitionists that would be located here in Cincinnati. One of the great stories is uh, an abolitionist in his church. They put together a fake funeral parade uh, that went through the entirety of the city that included mourners, and I'm using this in quotations, uh, of black men and women and children. And this parade marched through the city and they were able to get north away from all of the bounty hunters and get towards the center of Ohio, where we have the wonderful Dresden, Ohio, and uh, the Adams Family Ranch, which I know. What place is that? I'm sorry. Just blanked out on me. Dresden, <laughs> Ohio. It's a large brick building. It's a famous paranormal location. We're going to have to pause this for a second because no it's going to drive we me mad. We can do that. We can do that. Ah, uh, Adams, family, not the movie, ranch, Dresden, Ohio. I know. I'm trying to rack my brain, too, without going straight to the Google. Prospect place. Oh, Okay. Yeah, prospect place. So um, a lot of these escaped men and women and children would make their way up to prospect place, which was specifically specially engineered to be a stop on the Underground Railroad. So when Jay Jay knew the story, the history of Cincinnati, we have a um, Underground Railroad Museum. It's quite prominent in our downtown. And so we, well, he made the decision to mix the story of an escaped slave family with the mermaids of the Ohio River. And we had it proofread quite a number of times by people of color to make sure that we're doing good justice to the story. We're not trying to take advantage of anyone. And it got approved, and he and Dylan wrote it. And Dylan actually did the artwork. Uh, Jay and Dylan are wonderful local artists. They write a comic series called Mest, which is all about the Cincinnati sewer system and the creepy creatures that inhabit it. And their Mm -hmm. uh, main character is Lilliput and her adventures uh, going through the sewer system. Uh, To answer your question about how Dylan drew it, that's all digital artwork. Is it On many, many, many layers of of an art program of his choosing. Wow. It really looks like that scratchboard style. It's pretty. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it right now. Well, and and I, I know you can do so many digital tricks now, and it's amazing what you can do, but... I really sat there wondering, did he scratchboard all this? Oh, my God. Like, because it's an unforgiving art if you actually use real scratchboard. Like, you, the moment you oh, scratch yeah. the color away, you're like, oh, I messed up. That was wrong. So, I'm sure yeah. you can fill it in a bit, but. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, they played with a few different aspects of drawing and Dylan, like, illustrating the actual comic. And because everything is digital, only one artist did his uh, submission traditionally. 
when something didn't look right, it was really easy to go in and change it. So this was Dylan came up with this scratch board look and I really loved it. Uh, yeah. It really gives one of the things I was telling the artist is really give that feeling of the time period yep. or the genre that you're trying to do. Cause I wanted variety. I didn't want every story to look like a horror comic because not every story is horrific. Uh, but I really loved how they illustrated the, the mermaids, they illustrated the family, everything. And it's, I'm biased, but that's my favorite story out of the entire thing, which yeah. may be why we led with it. <laughs> you mentioned um, Prospect Place a second ago, um, and I've talked to a handful of people who have done, they've done some investigating there, and I've actually heard some quite some interesting pieces of audio uh, taken from there. And this is just in, just as part of discussion here. Have you, uh, have you ever heard of anybody bringing any, uh, any EVP? Have, have, have you heard anything from prospect place as far as evidence, as far as like, par- like a paranormal activity and whatnot? Well, I've investigated there and oh, well, saw okay. a lot of stuff. What'd you see? Oh, okay. So one, a skunk. That was terrifying. <laughs> By far the most terrifying thing. It was in the barn where they say they lynched a uh, headhunter. And um, it, it was, we're going, the team and I were like, yeah, we're going to go in. This is going to be great. We march in. We're like, not this is going to be great finding the ghost of a dead man. But anyway, and in the center of this barn was a skunk. And we're like, oh. this is going to be great. We're just going to turn around and go back inside <laughs> and see what else we may find and (laughs) we'll come back later yeah anyway so uh this was interesting it was a place that i did not know much of the history about until i was speaking to the property manager the next day um i did know that the people that built the place were the adams family and i had a good chuckle over that right as everyone does uh wonderful italianate uh style building it has a wonderful cupola on the top i'm a big architecture nerd so those things matter to me i guess (laughs) um but what was interesting about the property to me was that the adams family were huge abolitionists during um not over not only before the civil war during it and then were quite integral during reconstruction and their basement has a double barn door doorway into it And the purpose of the cupola was for signaling to people Mm. hiding in the forest around the ranch. And so what they would do is they would bring groups that were from Cincinnati or any of the other uh, southern harbor towns. And they would bring them up through the ranch and then just run as fast as they could across the fields. And they had purposely chopped down all the trees so you could run at full gallop across the property and then you could just open up these double bar double wide barn doors and people could just easily run down and instead of just being a root cellar they actually have rooms built into the basement complete with fireplaces and chairs and everything and i found that extremely remarkable because it's not common that you still find intact cellars like this in ohio and when I was down there doing an EVP session, and one reason why abolitionist culture is very important to me is because my family played a very big part of that up in the Connecticut Purchase area of Ohio, which is around Cleveland, Ashtabula, down to um, Summit County. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of family stories about what great-grandpa 
um, Brash did. But anyway, um, so when I was in the building at Prospect Place, I introduced myself to Mr. Adams because I, I don't know what what will trigger any activity. And I just kind of went up there to the dance hall, which is on the top floor, and said, hello, Mr. Adams. My name is Kat Cloco. I am the great-granddaughter of Mr. Brash of Ashtabula, of Ashtabula County. And you may have known him because he was a huge ab- abolitionist from Canada who helped people cross the uh, Lake Erie. And basically, it was the end of the railroad in the United States. And we got so much activity that night. We had uh, somebody saw a shadow person following me around the first floor that was fully lit around 10 p.m. Um, when I was sleeping on a couch because we were there all night, somebody else witnessed a shadow person come over to me, look over me to see if I was okay, and then walked out of the kitchen. Uh, I obviously didn't witness that one. Uh, but in the basement, we were doing an EVP session. And, you know, that's just a bunch of us dorks sitting around a basement in the dark waiting for something to happen. And it was quite a long time. We were sitting there easily a half an hour. And we were about, I'm going to say, easily four feet apart on either sitting on the ground or sitting on chairs or stools that were left in the basement for this purpose. This was clearly pre-COVID. This was clear. (laughs) Oh, this was years ago. But... (laughs) I remember it fondly. It's my memories of the outside. <laughs> oh, the outside world. Um, so it was just a group of five people, including myself, and we're doing an EVP session. And suddenly I get this hand waving directly in front of my face. And I look over and I'm like, Tina, is that you? And she's like, doing what? What am I doing? And I'm like, are you waving your hand in front of me? And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're still not getting any audio, but I'm staring at, oh, the laser grid or just sitting around, you know, you're looking around, taking in the ambiance of a dirt cellar. And another hand, an arm this time, waves in front of me. And I managed to kind of focus in on it instead of whatever else I was looking at. Mm. And it was very clearly the right hand and forearm of, I'm going to say, a teen-aged black individual. Wow. And I'm looking at our group, and I'm like, we're all white people. Yeah. This is clearly a hand of somebody who is not in our group, but I'm very happy is here. And we started changing our course of topic of conversation from... Not so much what we had been doing in the contemporary, but more about oh news and stuff we had heard or history we remember from uh, Reconstruction times and trying to guide it that way. And we got more activity after that because it started being something that the people who were still somehow inhabiting that property could relate to. And I've been a paranormal investigator for almost 15 years now. And I find that by relating history that the interactive ghosts or spirits or souls can relate to, you tend to get a little bit more activity when they can kind of identify who you are and maybe if you're a friend or a foe. Or so if you know when anything we about where you're at. As, 
if you if you Sorry? know if you know anything about where you're you know where you're at something they they can identify with i guess if you if you can present yeah. something they they can identify with um and that just keep, that goes back to the point we keep we've been saying here for years is you become more of a historian uh studying the paranormal it seems like that you're more of a historian these days and this is just another one of those points that drives that home i think is that it's this, it's the history and having to know some of the history uh and that doesn't mean you're going to get you know results or you oh, know no. tons of activity or anything like that but i think it's it's an important part of studying this stuff not just i think it helps you connect to it better yeah Yes, exactly. Totally. exactly. And now, I will say my background is in cultural anthropology, mm. so connecting Perfect. to people is kind of yep. what I do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so. Prospect Place is cool. I, I've I, is, is that a public place that I, is it like a museum now or is it privately owned? I, I'm not quite up to date on that. Cat, do you was, know? Yeah, do you have any idea, Cat? I when I was there, and this was around 2012, it was still privately owned. Okay. Um, However, the property managers were saying that the city was attempting to purchase it to make it into a museum. So I'm going to I know it, put a pause. I do and, know at one time there was uh, th- there was talk about that place being torn down. That was yeah. that was you know in the last decade you know a long while ago. And what city is that in? Oh, I totally I'm, I'm blanking. So it's in Trinway, Ohio, just north of Dresden. Okay, and what big city is that by? Like of the three, like what is that closest to? (laughs) (laughs) But I would say Columbus. Okay, it would be if I was to take a wild. Let's see. Yes, it would be closest to Columbus. It's it's actually more towards Zanesville or Cambridge, Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're looking on the center east side of the. Uh, of the state okay. mm-hmm. it's about it looks like it's about a half an hour north of i-70 if you were going to go yeah, towards yeah. pittsburgh from columbus yeah that makes sense yeah let's switch gears the, up a little bit here and talk mm. about the cincinnati music hall because this is another i'm looking at the comic here as i speak and this is and i literally you switch gears up here because i mean and you mentioned this a few minutes ago as far as the comics concerned um you know you didn't want everything to look the same Right. So, right. They, and they all do look very different. Uh, and then, so we yeah. come to our next panel here and uh, yeah, a music hall horror. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this is Brandon yeah, who did this one. Mm-hmm. So Brandon, Brandon Wagner. Brandon Wagner. Let's hear a little about the story of, of the Cincinnati music hall. If, if you could please. So Brandon is also a Cincinnati native and knew that the Cincinnati music hall is wildly haunted. It's considered probably the most haunted location of all of Cincinnati. And he kind of, I don't know if he bit off more than he could chew, but he had a difficult time fitting all the history and ghost stories of music hall into seven pages, but he did a wonderful job. of it. So when he started working on this, he's like, how do I tackle this? This is huge. Yeah. And I'm like, well, one, Try to focus the artwork towards A Penny Dreadful, which are the old Victorian murder mysteries that you could pick up for a penny as a little pamphlet. And they were written in uh, pieces. And he's like, okay, so focus on that kind of art style. But just start at the beginning. What caused this place to be so haunted? And that would be the 1838 explosion of the Moselle Steamboat. First Do you know panel. about this? No, no we don't. share. Oh, okay. So it ended up being a huge federal hullabaloo. But 
what happened is in April of 1838, we had the Moselle Steamboat, and Cincinnati's in the Ohio River is famous for them. It, it docked in Cincinnati, took in about 300 passengers, and started on its way. And it didn't get very far out of the city before the steam engine exploded, sending the pieces of the 300 passengers oh. and its crew all over the city, Blech. just raining down. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what the Cincinnati citizens did is they collected all the bones and took them about a mile and a half north of the city, which is where our present-day Cincinnati Music Hall and Washington Park now sit. At the time, it was very far away from the city metro area. Now it's actually our very popular over-the-Rhine restaurant and bar district. But um, there was a large pauper's field located where now our South Exhibition Hall is. Mm -hmm. And that's where all the bones were deposited. And after that, the people that did live on the outskirts of the city would once in a while run into the departed souls of those who had died on the steamboat. Well, progress happens. Uh, the first lunatic asylum in the state of Ohio was built on that property, as well as a hospital and an orphanage. And they were around for a few decades until really city expositions like um, like the World's Fair started becoming very popular. So Cincinnati's like, where are we going to put a large expedition hall and, and public park so that we can do all these fabulous things that Chicago and New York City are doing? And they're like, hey, well, there's this huge popper cemetery or field just north of the city why don't we build there sure that sounds like a great idea <laughs> so they excavated everybody they thought everybody moved them to spring grove cemetery which is even further north uh, now on the west side of the city and built the first part of what is now our music hall it was a large exposition center they had agricultural fairs and all sorts of public events there and where washington park is the funny thing is, is that the ghost stories just kept going from there. Well, eventually they're like, we need an opera house that's big and we need a place to put our ballet. So they raised that first exposition hall and built the gigantic multi-block building that is the Cincinnati Music Hall. And Washington Park is across the street. It's a wonderful community space it has a dog park and a pavilion and it's where a lot of our um i'm going to say our outside flea markets and back in the old days before we were all locked in our houses this is where as myth has it people would socialize and talk to one another within a six foot radius <laughs> there have been ghost stories from this place <laughs> since 1838 um if you talk to anybody who works in the property one of the most common events is hearing music when the orchestra, the symphony orchestra, the pops orchestra, or the ballet, they're, they're all housed there. They won't be in session, and you'll still hear music floating through, especially on the south side. Um, if you're at the ticket windows, they will get people walking up to collect tickets when they approach the win when the staff approach the window. No one will be there. Um, I've got the opportunity to actually, 
I won't call it investigate, but I got to spend an evening and a really late night at the Cincinnati Music Hall. And I got to talk to some of the props masters, actually, that work in the sub-basement. And they say occasionally uh, they will run into what is an apparition of a woman dressed in a burial shroud complete with mold and dirt. Mm. And she will raise out of the cement floor up and hover about six inches off the ground and she's just skeletal and she just freaks everyone out and i'm like yeah that makes sense that yeah. would freak you yep. out yep. <laughs> uh, they are still finding bones uh they're actually in 1927 there was another excavation to build an elevator and they just exhumed a bunch of bodies and just reburied them on the on ground floor wow in in 1988 there was another this is the famous haunted elevator was built and uh, people who ride that hear voices, tappings, music, cold spots, phantoms. You just name the paranormal experience and they've had it in this place. It's beautiful. It just got restored in 2017. And the phantoms are still very, very active there. That's an amazing story. That's a really cool piece of history. And I, I especially I'm glad I didn't look that story up because I really enjoyed hearing you explain it while looking at the images of the comic. Yeah, because, I was doing the same thing. Because the comic, this is probably the most metaphorical, um, I think, set of drawings because it it's sort of like each drawing represents something in the story uh, more than just using text to, you know, say what's going on. And um, yeah. but that's like. It's awesome history, but it's horrible history. <laughs> like, I'm imagining yeah. the steamboat and bodies raining down on Cincinnati and then just, oh, scoop them up and just bury them somewhere. And, and we're just going to keep <laughs> finding them, like, you know, as the decades go on. Oh, yeah, for more. centuries, we've been finding yeah. these bodies scattered around the city. Yeah, yeah. Brandon was a great person to work on this because he does have such a lively cartoony style. So he is able to make that very macabre history yeah. a lot more approachable. Yeah. Um, and he was ve he's very much a show don't tell type of illustrator, which was very good for this particular dense topic. <laughs> now, now, I love in our notes that it says Satan's Hollow and then it says there's a lot of places to summon Satan in Ohio. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, there so is. So we need to know how to summon Satan when we go to Ohio next. So you got to tell us all about this. If we ever go to Ohio and we need again. instructions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Christina Wald was the one who did Satan's Hollow. She's uh -huh. also the one of my co-hosts for the Haunted um, Homeland, ha Hometown Hauntings podcast. Mm -hmm. And she is also from Cincinnati. Satan's Hollow is by far our most well-known one. She's a children's book illustrator, so that's why it has such a whimsical look yeah. to it. Yeah. Because she wanted to bring that 1970s yes. whimsy of just this urban legend that, oh my God, looking into this, we're like, New Jersey has the exact same Satan's Hollow story. <laughs> same time era and everything, just more tunnels and uh, drainage pipes. Um, here in Cincinnati... We have on the outskirts, so Satan's Hollow is the most central. It's in Blue Ash, technically. Satan's Hollow is a glorified drainage ditch. It's a, it's a drainage pipe that comes from a parking lot for a Kroger supermarket. <laughs> that sounds and about right. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, I, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tiny. Um, if you are a elementary school student or maybe a thin middle schooler, you can get up there. 
how on earth you're supposed to have adult satanic worshippers climb into that thing, find a secret room, and sacrifice a human to it, <laughs> to Satan, to have him visit Blue Ash of all places. I don't know. We have some tiny whiny things going on. But what I love is that we have a floating skull that floats around and stalks the forest as well as a shadow person. And I love how she, uh, Christina made the shadow person just the police that are coming yeah, after you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I love this humorous take because we didn't want to actually encourage people to go there. Because, um, yeah, the police will actually arrest you. That's, that's but, a, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, we have outside, uh, you asked about other locations. Um, The other well-known in Cincinnati would be in Patavia, Ohio, and that's Satan's Church, which is an abandoned old church, one-room church, and now that all exists of it is its foundation. But it has the exact same story as uh, Satan's Hollow and Blue Ash, um, that Satanists would do their dark masses in this basement and there was a human sacrifice and now a shadow person and a skull float around uh, just watching the place um so, it, doom what the hell is it video game doom that's um, and that's what I, the first thing i thought of was that's one of the one of the characters in doom it's just that skull head floating around oh. now I mean, we have nicknamed this skull Natty for Cincinnati. Cincinnati <laughs> Natty the Flying Skull. And he's our new, I guess there really is no gender for this skull, but Natty is our mascot for, unofficial mascot for all this. But yeah, uh, Satan's Church and Satan's Hollow are the Cincinnati local areas. Um, outside of Columbus, there's at least two more. And you have Rogue's Hollow uh, and the Gore Orphanage up in Cleveland and a few more locations. And when speaking to James about this last week, we joked about, you better not piss off an Ohioan because we'll summon Satan. Because <laughs> apparently we have enough locations to do this. He's a frequent flyer to the Buckeye State. I, You know, have you ever been out to the Moonville Tunnel? I have not had that opportunity. No. I, I think that is such an interesting, I always, that's the one thing for some reason I always hear about. When I when I think when I first looked up stuff that like was haunted in Ohio, I would hear about this Moonville Tunnel, and it's like being remote and in a national forest and part of a an old abandoned town that doesn't exist anymore. But yet this tunnel that used to go into the town is still there, and just I think because it's called Moonville, it's just mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something like kind of like hauntingly romantic about it. But I know that always gets brought up in a lot of stuff. I was looking through James' book and I saw that come up. When I noticed there was like a ton of tunnels, like haunted tunnels all over Ohio. Oh, yeah. And that's... Especially on the east side, because it's much hillier, because oh. you have the Appalachian Mountain Range. Okay. The foothills are in eastern Ohio. So, and you also have a lot of the um, mining that down that way, too. Sense. Okay. That makes total sense. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to Hail mention, Satan. there's also a satanic um, pentagram that is the entire city of uh, oh, Athens. Ohio, Athens, Ohio, where yes. Ohio University is. Yes. So yeah, you really don't want to piss off anybody from Ohio University. No, they they got it built into the town. Scott, do you remember we went there? That, yeah, that yeah. um, he John Cachetti. Yeah, he, there was a security guard at that. Yeah, John Cachetti. He's a, he's actually a published author now. He's got a couple yeah. of books he's done. Uh, but John, yeah, but very he was cool a guy. security guard. He was a security at guard there. Ohio State University, and yeah. he gave us like a whole tour one night. Yeah, and I think he was, <laughs> he was on duty. He was on duty. I think he was. <laughs> he was. He was and working. He was like. <laughs> 
come on from Michigan and, and, and we hang were like, out with and me. And it wasn't like, you know, a quick little 15-minute tour. No. We, were, we were with him like for three or four hours. Like we yeah. were there till like really like, late at night. And he actually over. was taking calls. Remember, he was the, like some girl was freaking out in one of the dorm rooms. Yeah. And he's like, I'm, we're sitting there listening to this on his CB or whatever. I'm cracking up. And he's like, we're going to go on a chase now. We're going to go on a case or whatever. It yeah, was crazy. Yeah, that was kind of a weird night. Yeah, that was a very weird night. But it was fun. It was it was like this little behind the scenes, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, paranormal tour of a haunted university. A haunted university. So. But so yeah, that was the thing. Haunted university. Yeah, that's and then yeah, the whole Athens thing with the pentagram built in and yeah. all that. It's a, that's fascinating stuff. I love Ohio history. Um, we got speaking of the history, we I'm, got. I'm the, getting creeped out, and I don't want to talk about Satan anymore. No, we're not. We're not. We're going to move away no from Satan. Satan. But I, we're going to talk about the infamously haunted Satan'sville Rectory. Oh yes. And this is the last story in the comic, correct? Yes. And this is a true story. This is you. Like, you illustrated this story, and this is your own story. Yes. Like, this is based true. off of my experience. Ah, tell us. Okay. So, yeah, it, I will say, here in Cincinnati, we don't know if it's pronounced Sedamsville or Sedamsville. Yeah, so that makes pronounce sense. So, it however you All want, right. because we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I was able to go to this location in 2011, so it's a few years old, but man, I remember it well. Um, and it was a multi-night investigation of this location. Now, Sedumsville is, I'm going to say quintessential Cincinnati at the time. It was where a lot of our German immigrants actually moved to when they immigrated to the United States and settled in, C- in Cincinnati. And Sedumsville or Sedumsville um, had... Our Lady of Perpetual Help Parish, and this was a German, the only German-speaking parish in the city. So the rectory, the church, and the school were all built to accommodate for the German parishioners. And it went pretty well up until about 1989, and that's when it closed and was absorbed into Delhi um, Township. So... uh, It's an interesting little place because it has a very traumatic history for being a I'm not going to say a little a city local church yeah so the I, there's a lot of trauma that happened in this location and I was completely unaware of it when mm. I went I was new to Cincinnati I had moved in 2008 to the city and I'm this Big blue-eyed, red-headed girl going. Wow, I'm here in Cincinnati. This is great. This is all wonderful. Everything has history to it. And I walk in, and you just felt oppressed as soon as you walked into this building. And I'm like, it's not the heavy woodwork that is making me feel this depressed. Yeah. I walk into Mansfield Reformatory, and I'm just dandy fine. Yeah, this place was heavy, and um. The first night, actually, not a lot happened. I did learn that pizza places would not deliver to this particular <gasps> building. Really? Don't know why, but they wouldn't. We had to go out and pick it up and bring it back ourselves. Um, that evening, we it felt we had cold spots. It felt creepy. It felt like an old drafty building built in 1896. And I was not underwhelmed, but I was just like, okay, this is exactly how I expected this investigation to go, to be honest. We go to the next night. We have fewer people with us this time. There was only five of us in the building. And it was myself, three other ladies, and one gentleman. 
And I was still very blissfully unaware of the history of this place. We go up to what would be really the upstairs uh, family room or parlor. It was where, or lounge. It's where the priests would actually relax. It was, uh, at one point it was hooked up. There was a TV there. And we're sitting in the dark doing another EVP session. And I'm just thinking, wow, this is just a repeat of the night before. And I look into the hallway and I see a pair of pit bulls. Mm. More exactly, their shadows walking past and sniffing the air. You know when you look at a pit bull, especially a nice large squarish one, they have that square head with a little brow ridge and they have that extremely cute wide nose and they have those pointed ears and they have short neck and all that and they're whipped tails and i'm watching these shadow dogs walk past and one of them stops looks in and it didn't have red glowing eyes or anything but you could just tell when you've had dogs where the eyes would be looks in sniffs the air and keeps walking and they take a turn and go into what is the south west bedroom on the other side of the hall. And I poke the people in my group and like, did, did anyone just see those? <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you talking about cat? And I'm like, there was a pair of dogs to just walk past. <laughs> and like, no, but we do hear dogs outside. And I'm like, of course you do. We're in a city, but these were inside and they were quiet. <laughs> and, uh, they're like, no, we didn't see anything. We're like, okay. But I told them that they had gone into this bedroom. So following the dogs, basically, we all walked into this bedroom and uh, the gentleman puts out, I think it was an ovulus, the old school one, which was just all gar- <laughs> garbage. Uh, sorry, no. Um, it was just all audio and it would gurgly and it would just, I, it kind of sounded like it would yodel from time to time. And um, we're just sitting there asking questions and occasionally we would hear something staticky say something. And then about five minutes in, we hear, get out! Oh like my that. God. And yeah, I've just blown out everyone's uh, eardrums. That was actually um, that was actually really good. Like like that's a good metal scream, cat. You could be in a band. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> I used to be in one in high school, so I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, we heard that, and then uh, we were just like, "Oh well, finally someone's talking to us because we're all seasoned professional professionals here, seasoned." Uh, explorers and we're just like okay somebody's finally saying something it's just not static so we continue with asking them questions and we're trying to ask questions that are local to the area and then we get the gentleman's wife and it just goes i'm gonna just say this lady over (laughs) the audio and we're like well that was uncalled for but it did kind of unsettle us because we didn't expect explicit language coming out of this i i don't get cursed out too often um the only other place i've been cursed at is uh old licking county jail i'm gonna let you giggle about that name i've I've heard that one before is that in ohio or is that elsewhere it is in ohio it's in newtown ohio okay (laughs) and uh interesting place i wrote about it for ohio's haunted crimes which is how i got there um but that was the only other place I've ever been cursed at over one of these radios. And we're all kind of, 
poor ladies were like, well, that was uncalled for. Why did you do that? Yeah. But it did unsettle us. So we did leave the room and we went to a uh, different room where we didn't get as much audio, but we were able to kind of calm down. So we go downstairs. And of course, the story in the comic is a condensed version of both nights because I could if I had written the entire events of that night it would have been a 30 page comic yeah so uh, I just did the highlights um that's in the comic but we go downstairs and as we're walking down the stairs this is where a very striking bit of the night happens and that would be seeing the priest in the library doorway with the most shiny shoes I have ever witnessed in my life that's actually what caught my attention I'm walking down the stairs. They're narrow stairs. I'm making sure I'm not falling to my death down them. And something catches my eye. And it's a shiny pair of winged back leather shoes that were black. And I look at those shoes and I'm like, well, somebody's here. And I trail from the shoes up the legs. There's no legs. There's no torso. But there is a head with the collar, that priest's collar, that white one that they wear. And a man with huge mutton chop sideburns and the smallest John Lennon spectacles I have ever seen on a living or spiritual person. And he saw me, I saw him. He took one nod, walked one step back and just disappeared into the inky darkness. That was the library. And I turn around to my group. I'm like, did you see that? And they're like, what are you talking about cat? We didn't see anyone. Don't stop on the stairwell. We're all going to fall down. So we make our way down. No one saw anything. We did take some measurements all over the building. We had done that as a control at the beginning of each night and temperatures and everything. Nothing was fluctuating, but yet I was seeing things and another member of our group was seeing orbs, um, actual traditional will-o'-wisps self-illuminating floating through the hallways. Um, Not everyone was seeing that, but... We were sitting in the front parlor, and um, one of the members looks up at me and sees a shadow person that looks like they're gesturing, trying to strangle me later that evening. Cool, cool. And that unsettled everyone. Um, the lights went on. There's a lot of ambient lights from outside, but all the interior lights were immediately turned on on the first floor. We looked around, tried to see if anybody else was around calmed our nerves and we were just in the back room back parlor room just chatting because it was the end of the evening by this time it was 1 a.m we're tired we all work nine to five jobs yeah and we there like i said there was five of us and two of the ladies were in the hallway next to a radiator talking and i'm talking to the gentleman going um just about the night, how crazy it was, how uh, he had caught some audio. I don't have the audio, unfortunately. And I'm looking, kind of doing a mental check of how many people are in the room and just looking around. And there's, I'm watching the two ladies. One of them walks back to us. She was wearing a very distinctive ghost hunting fishing vest. Okay. I don't know if you've ever run into one, yes. somebody wearing one of those. Yes. So she's it's wearing not a fishing vest, it's a utility vest. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I've been corrected. It is a utility vest. It's very chic. <laughs> In 2011. Yeah. Well, she was putting, I think, a flashlight back in the, and fiddling around with her utility vest. <laughs> wow, that came out weird. But anyway. 
uh, I'm watching her. She's walking back towards us. And then she appeared again next to the lady that she was previously talking to. But this time she had her back turned to the rest of us and her arms were curled up onto her chest. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, that's a really weird way to be standing, talking to somebody. And our other friend, she's sitting there having a full-blown conversation with this woman. And then I look, and there is woman wearing the vest standing in front of me. And right behind her is a double of her talking to our friend. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And that's when the little red flag popped up yep. in my head. And... The little parade went through going, something's not right. right. Something's not right. There are now six of you. And I turned to my friend. I'm like, hey, do you see anything wrong about this right now? And he looks around. He's like, oh, no. And he calls out to his wife's name and her head pops up. And as soon as she her head pops up, the doppelganger turns around and just scurries down the hallway oh, towards the front no, door, no. which was not lit. No. And just disappeared. And that was it. That was the end of the night. We quickly packed up our stuff. We're like, okay, we don't know how to handle doppelgangers. Yeah, there's and, a potty double here. We're out. Yep. Nope. And that was it. Meet you at Denny's. Um, I'm out of here. <laughs> Gone. Yeah, we were. I have not been back. Um, I will report when I came home, I walked through one of those clammy spider webs. I don't know if you've ever encountered that through oh, yeah. my own house. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a... <laughs> I, I attribute it to like an ectoplasm. If you were to yeah. walk through a yeah. spider web completely made of gat. Yeah. Like um, a, that's what it feels like. Ethereal and, spider webs. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, that means somebody followed me home. Mm. So I did my best William Shatner. And I was like, you, whomever has followed me, <laughs> you must return back. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous and not as confident as I am right now. And uh, whatever I was left, but it did uh, really, really scare my poor puppy at the time. So, and that is my tale from today. I love that. I love that. And I I find it interesting too, how, well, it's really great when people that you're with experience the same thing that you can be like, Oh God, it just wasn't me. You guys saw that too. Cool. All right. Um, And, you'd probably go back there again and nothing would happen. You know, it'd be one of those things. Well, it's a matter. Yeah. It's a matter. I think some, uh, like, like we've said a lot, I, paranormal activity, I think is just the stars aligning a lot of times. And if, well, you happen yeah. to, if you happen to be there, you happen to be there. If you don't, you it's don't. It's the winning I mean, lotto it's, ticket. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's not an exact thing as we all know. And it mm-hmm. sounds like you had one heck of a night there where a lot of stuff just seemed to line up. I think a lot of us who do this, we have that happen very rarely when we go out and about. Uh, and I know mm-hmm. it's happened to us once or twice, and that's over 15, 20 years, right? Yeah. So It's only happened to me three times. Yeah. That was one of them. Prospect Place was the other, and a visit to Gettysburg was the third. Mm-hmm. But with the history of Saddamsville, what I discovered was um, it closed in 1989 and, like I said, was absorbed into the – uh, neighborhood parish and it went abandoned for close to 10 years after that when a man named michael vick who played i believe for the cincinnati Bengals, but at least for the nfl um used the place as an underground that pit- piece hole. of shit yeah yep i'm sorry so i'm go gonna say it that basement, yeah it 
used to be an active crime scene by the Cincinnati Police Department. Wow. Their boiler room is where the fighting happened. Wow. And yeah. it, every inch of that building is scratched up. They would put dogs in any cabinet, any closet, any nook and cranny. Oh, so and no, you can uh, see where there was blood from dogs trying to get out. No wonder you saw terrible. dogs. Like, and I did not put it together until yeah. I learned this bit afterwards. That wow. is complete insanity. Wow. To add to the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. This place was where all the problematic priests in the Cincinnati diocese were sent <gasps> to. Oh. So this place I don't just know sucks. What kind of horrors children yeah. saw in that building? Yeah, th- this place just sucks. <laughs> I don't know any. I mean, I I don't mean it to be, but that's just all that horrible stuff has happened. Well, it now. makes total sense with when you said you went in and you experienced just this heaviness. Like, yeah, it's that. And then, did you ever, ever in the history, um, did you ever look up any old photos of anybody that might have been there to see if you made any connections with that guy with the small spectacles? I did. I looked up a lot of the well-known priests that did live there. And um, unfortunately, the way that he had his hair styled was very popular for Mm. the 1880s to 1900. So it was very difficult for me to sit there and go, well, that's the man. Um, (laughs) So in it, unfortunate, well, some of the victims of the final priests that lived there are still alive. Um, wow. And when you ask locals about their thoughts on this place, you get everything from this place was a satanic pit. Like, this is where Satan was. Um, this place is a hellhole. To people who had absolutely wonderful life experiences in this diocese, they don't see where anybody had anything negative. So, it's just... Like any other traumatic place, it's very complicated because yeah. you saw everything happen there. And right now, I do not believe you can actually visit the location. Um, it still is standing, but you can't rent it out for ghost hunts anymore. Um, no one's allowed in. And currently, the city is trying to sell the church for a dollar because wow. they're trying to f- find somebody to finally tear it down. Yeah. Sad. Sad. That's crazy. I, and I say that, that, that that's that's the oppressiveness that you were feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, all that sucky so, stuff that happened there. I mean, really, I mean, yeah. it's, and I believe you can feel that. I mean, I know I've been to places, um, and you know, maybe, and let's be, to be fair, to be fair, uh, <laughs> to, be fair. <laughs> to, to be fair, um, I think if you know, like a lot of stuff with, you know, concerning the paranormal, I think if you, you're front loaded with a lot of information before you go to a location, Sometimes, yeah, you, you, you may just, that may be your mind telling you things like that. But I mean, on the other hand, though, um, I know I've been to places where I've, you know, I've not had any stores. I've just went somewhere and I'm like, ew, something just feels gross. Something yeah. just grosses me out here. And then possibly after the fact, I may hear a story or two about the place. Like, oh, that explains it. Okay. Yeah. I like the mm-hmm. idea of just going blind in, into somewhere and not having those preconceived ideas. Well, totally. To, yeah, I agree. I, I love that. Well, I want to touch on this really quick because I realized we skipped one story, but the the most um, heartfelt story in the anthology is the Loveland Castle. Oh, yes. And, and it's one of the most detailed, um, I think, sets of drawings in, in the anthology. I don't know if this story has a connection to the actual Loveland Castle and its history, but it was there a motivation for the uh, with the artist on this one? So Rodney Fike did this 
particular piece he wrote and illustrated it. He's wonderful. And this is the only piece that was hand-drawn traditionally on comics board. Wow. And he's great with his detail. Really detailed. um, It's beautiful. And he has... He has very wide-ranging talents with illustration. He can do anything from children's comics to, uh, I think he just had a horror comic come out in an anthology as well this year. So, really talented guy. He did spend time at Loveland Castle as a young kid because oh, he was in the Boy Scouts. Yeah, and and he's local to Cincinnati as well. And um, it's been around since. 1929 the building it was built specifically for the boy scouts actually um so i think he had some very good memories i don't believe he actually saw anything there although the ghost stories already existed when he was a boy scout yeah but it's a place near and dear to everyone in cincinnati's heart it's a public location well it is owned by the Knights of the Golden Trail, which is a, a, a Boy Scout group, but they keep it open just about every day. You can visit for a donation. It is a two-scale Norman castle, hand-built along the Little Miami River. So I will say, if you're interested in going, do not bring extremely young children that have difficulties walking up small staircases. Because <laughs> you will fall down. Oh. I, I think so what the with the writing on this story the is that original or is there are, is there are you guys quoting something in there i'm gonna have to bring it up to I know, uh I don't, look at it i was, believe this was all original okay this came, okay um there was kind of like the little overarching story about um oh it's got like the the ghost kind of reaching out and touching the kids and sort of teaching them a lesson. But it was just so sweet. Like, it was really, really sweet. He did go back to the castle to visit, to take um, location shots and make sure that everything is accurate. And he tells basically the story of Sir Harry, or Henry, uh, Harry, Sir Harry, who built the place. And he was a World War I veteran. And so he actually almost died on the battlefield, which is the opening page that you see. Okay. And uh, he had a near-death experience. And the way Rodney wanted to write the story was very much as a Twilight Zone feel where you see him having this near-death experience. And it's actually just taking you through the history of this castle that he will eventually build and pass away in in 1981. So he has a very, Ronnie wrote as this very poetic way. Um, I would, like you said, very love letter esque way of telling the history and how much this castle means to the local community. And it, I'm just looking through it as I'm speaking to you. He has the spirit of um, Sir Harry going through the, um, downstairs entry room you see a multi-bricked dome area you have this wonderful um lower view shot up to it and that's actually in his bedroom yeah and it's this wonderful hand-built dome brick dome you go through the what would be the main hall and down the extremely dangerous staircase (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) i've almost fallen down it every single time i visit but then you get this wonderful outside shot 
with um, the Viking, which is a ghost that seems to have hitchhiked along with some of the artifacts that are in the um, weapon room in the armory. Yeah. And he, it's not a quote. This is just how Rodney wrote okay. the story. Um, but it's really good. Um, I, I love, love the artwork on this. The artwork on this well, is beautiful. I, I, I have yeah. to, because I, I know we're wrapping up here and I want to end on this note because I, I really love this. These kids are in Loveland Castle, obviously going on a tour. Um, and the poetic part says, have charity in your heart for those suffering from the ignorance of youth. I love that. And they're saying, I don't see any ghosts. There's uh, This is boring. And then you see a ghostly hand reaching out. And it says, feel free to reach out to enlighten them. Clearly, the girl has been touched. And then it's they're running away. And then it says, sometimes a gentle touch will set a life on a different path. And I just love that. You never know how you're going to get influenced uh, by something or even inspired by something in the in the strangest and most mysterious of places. So thank you so much, Kat, for coming on the show. Let's and talk about this. the podcast. For I want to talk about though. the yeah. podcast yeah. Yeah. and I want her to tell us everybody where they can get this comic. Absolutely. Um, where yeah. they can all listen to stuff. her, where they can get her books, all that. All right. So, yeah, I will say to just nip that um, ended. Sorry. Blah. Ignore all that. <laughs> Rodney did a wonderful job um, telling his story. That's all poetic that came from Rodney. But thankfully, we have a lot of the history from the Knights of the Golden Trail and what Sir uh, Harry said. We have a lot of audio. So it was easy to pull a lot of his own words. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. For to be able to. I think that's why it's so poetic because mm. Rodney had a lot of uh, sources for that. For the podcast. So, yes, I am a fellow podcast host. Um, yeah. I host the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Hometown Haunts podcast with Christina Wald and our researcher, Jen Kohler. And Jen works for the Cincinnati Inquirer and is able to do a lot of deep dives into local history for the show. It's wonderful. She's kind of new to the paranormal, so I get to tell her all sorts of wonderful stories. And watching her eyes bug out from surprise and... <laughs> shock is just such a treat <laughs> maybe i'm a little cruel here but <laughs> christina and i really loved just being able to talk about the paranormal all of our meetings whenever we would uh talk about plans and stuff for this comic we would just end up going over by easily an hour just talking about other paranormal locations that we wished we had highlighted like the eight ball was invented here in cincinnati and i had no clue that that was a thing and it was based off of a psycho psycho no <laughs> psychic who named lauren carter pruden and she had this little writing tablet that she would shake in a can and mysteriously writings would appear on this tablet during her seances and sir arthur Coyne doyle met with her twice oh, to do it. seances with love her. love it and her son in partnership with a friend of his created the magic eight ball Love it. using this technique. So I never knew that was a thing. We have the inventor of the Pringles can also buried in a Pringles can <laughs> here in Cincinnati. Yeah. I saw so, that. I saw that and cracked up. I mean, I, I cracked up when I saw that, but yeah, I mean, he's actually clear, buried. Clearly he was cremated. I, I, I well, yeah. Yes. 
Well, I mean, well, wait. Why couldn't it be a, just a, a giant, giant, a giant Pringles, Pringles coffin? Yeah, a giant Pringles can. What flavor you think it'd be? I just want the standard. It was original. No. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Somebody's according fu- to his son, it was original. <laughs> okay, good, and that's the right choice to make because that's the only ones you should have. All that other stuff is crap. I like the original Pringle. That's not not that particular can. I wouldn't want anything from that. It'd be kind of gross. <laughs> But I thought that was that was that salty flavor that you weren't expecting. No, no. <laughs> uh Kat, thank you so much for taking some yes, time to chat yeah, with us but here. But where can um, we get your books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where and where okay. can people get this comic that we've been glorifying and talking about and and, and worshiping? Yes. Yes. So this was successfully kickstarted last last month. So the book has actually gone to a printer and is currently being printed. Um, so everyone who kickstarted it got a digital version, which will eventually find its way onto Comixology. But if you would like a print version, they will be available January 2021 at my own web store, which is redcatcomics.bigcartel.com. And of course, we will uh, put all those cool, yep. fun links on our website when we post the show. And again, can't thank you enough, Kat. Um, this has been a lot of fun talking about these great stories. And I want to I, I want to stress that too. I, I love the way this is. I've never really seen things like this presented this way. As I, far as uh, uh, these great stories, these are very interesting stories. They're serious stories too, to a certain mm-hmm. degree. But having it presented like this, it, it, it's really fun. I, I I like it a lot. I'd like to see this for like other states and other cities. Yeah, it, it just could be done because comics. What do you do? You collect the whole series. Yeah. You keep going. Yes. You never quit. Yeah, you never. So quit. Exactly. it's just got to go collect, on forever. Collect, collect. Thank you again, yeah. Kat. We really appreciate the time. No, thank you for having me on. This has been wonderful. Ghostly talk. <laughs> <laughs>